0: That was a really cool moment. And that's not part of my intro, and I hadn't expected that, but thank you, song Rangers, Jeremy, and everybody else that put that songbook together, Jonathan for setting that moment up. Life is about moments, and don't forget that one, because man, that was special. Jonathan, it's the tie. If you want to be this cool, you got it, it's the tie. So, <laughs> we'll just throw that in there. This is not going to fit up here, so we're gonna I'm also, there you go. Very thankful to be up here. I'm very thankful to be speaking in front of you, uh, to get to share a moment like this with my dad and my brother. I've been, uh, I've never had this happen before, and so I take it very seriously. I'm very appreciative to be here speaking for you this morning. You know, as we think about 2023 knocking on the door and thinking about God's plans and how we fit in with God's plans, there's somebody else at work. It's the devil. The devil has plans for you in 2023. Have you ever really thought about that? Like what does he have outlined that he's going to do that he's been doing for thousands of years and he's super successful at it? What plans does he have for you? Now, maybe nobody is in this group today is going to commit murder in 2023. Maybe you're not on the verge of major uh, tax evasion. You know, you may not have any huge issues like that. The devil's not going to get you in that way. But he's going to get you in little, subtle ways. In fact, in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. When it says to be To not be conformed to the world. You know, it's talking about idolatry and presenting your body as a a living sacrifice separate from all the heathen things. But you know what? It's so much deeper than that. Not conforming your mind to the world is so much deeper. And that's the way that the devil is going to work. If he can conform our mind in a subtle, small way that we don't even realize it's happening. Let me give you an example. In... Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul writes something that I've read my entire life. And I usually skip over it because I'm like, well, that's obvious. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, let's get on to something deeper, something more important. It's one of those things we write songs about it, but we don't stop and think how powerful the statement is. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. When he says the word rejoice, he is giving a command. Like if he was saying do or go he's saying rejoice he's commanding us to do that and now here's what I'm talking about when I say how the devil works so subtly in a way that he slowly does things when I was sitting over here when I was younger and I sat over here when I was a kid I used to sit at these meetings and think you know the the excitement that I feel from a good song or a a great sermon or all the joy that I feel from being around my brothers and sisters I'm going to hang on to that forever I'm not going to be like so-and-so over here or that person. When they got older, they kind of got into a rut and they lost that excitement. That's not going to be me. But you know what happens? And older folks, you can agree. We start piling things on our shoulders. We take on bills. We take on a family. We take on responsibilities. And the more weight that we add, that exciting joy... It slowly fades away to where we're really not excited about a lot of things anymore. I mean, I can get really excited about a good football game or a really good song. It might really get me juiced up. But the verse says to rejoice in the Lord. I'm commanded to rejoice and I'm commanded to do it in the Lord. You know what that means? Not just on the good, easy days. It means I got to do it on the hard days. and I got to do it on the sad days the difficult, and the complicated days, I am commanded to rejoice in the Lord. James takes it further when he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let me ask you a question. When the trials of various kinds hit folks in the world, how do they respond? Get angry? Cry? project frustration get on facebook and rant about whoever it was that did this thing we get so frustrated and we just pour out the negativity at least that's what the world does so as we ask the question are we conforming to the world even subtly when bad things happen to us do we act that way and i gotta confess to you I feel like I have, I have to do a confession because while I'm writing the sermon, I'm pulling not literally while I'm writing it, while I'm going over it, i got to go to Lowe's and so I'm pulling into the parking lot. I hit a, a, a hole, a big pothole, and immediately out of my mouth I yell, come on, somebody has got to fix this thing, it's been there for like six months. And I'm angry at whoever should be doing their job. In all things, I'm not rejoicing. If my mindset would not be conformed to the world, and the reality is I have to say to myself, yes, I'm conforming to the world in a way that I probably shouldn't. I am allowing myself to take out my frustrations on other people who have nothing to do with this. I am being conformed to this world. Instead, I need to be diligently working during the easier times to show joy to work at rejoicing, to rebuild that excitement that I had before all of the frustration, before all of the world's weight has come down on us. You know, we talk all the time about influence. And as I've been to these meetings my whole life, I hear people talk about the way that we wear our hair, the way that we dress, the way that we talk, you know, the way that we act. Those things are going to have an influence over the people that live around us in our communities. And rightly so. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I want to say, it's more than that. We've got to do more than just try to look the part. Dress the part. When people see that we don't rant and get crazy angry and frustrated turn to our co- co-workers and chew them out because we just can't believe that somebody's doing... When we don't react in a negative way the way that they do, but we do it with a smile and we decide to just take the joyful side of it, that's when they're going to see that there's a difference in us. And that's what they're going to want to know. How How can you be joyful in something so terrible? That's how we start to make a change. Martyrs who gave their lives in the Fox's Book of Martyrs and other historical records. We, we have read that people were smiling. They were singing as they were being burned alive. As they were witnessing terrible things. Some of you have said that they were joking, saying other things to the people that were tormenting them because they were so full of joy and had lived a life so full of joy that when a terrible moment happened, they knew that that was the only way to be. If someone can sit and they can watch their loved ones be sacrificed, then I can deal with some difficult things at work. If someone can sit in line waiting on their turn to be brutally murdered in front of other people, then I can get over the frustration of the traffic that I'm in as I drive to work with my co-workers. If I can sit and think about people that were willing to give up everything, then I can give up the little things. I can get over those things and show joy in difficult times. Let me ask you something. The congregation that you attend, is it being conformed to the world? Are you personally and your family being conformed to the world in a slight, subtle way? I'm going to say yes. And I don't mean to insult anyone here today, but I'm going to to give you an example. Two years we hit, we'll not call it a persecution, we'll call it the greatest dilemma, at least in my lifetime, that the church has faced. Are we going to go to church on Sunday morning or are we going to stay home? Who's going to go? And what are we going to say about this person that went and this person that didn't go and this person still wearing their mask two years later? Why is this person doing this? This person said this and this person posted this. Folks, we were being conformed to the world and we didn't know it. So when the first real dilemma smacked us, we were not ready. I don't know if it is where you live and you worship, but we are still digging ourselves out of the problems that were created by not being ready For the temptation and the dilemma. We were being conformed to the world. We should have been ready with joy. We should have been the difference. But you know what? We can We can make it right. We can move forward now. We can say, you know what? We were not ready. We were not who we needed to be. We were being conformed. But we're going to be different. 2023. How's it going to be different for you? How are you going to show joy in a way that Paul is demanding of us? in a way that James also demands of us, in a way that we know that Jesus expects of us, how are we going to show joy? Here's some practical things. I'm going to start with a smile. I don't do that enough. In fact, as I'm walking down the high school hallways on my way to first period, I find myself trying to look away distracted so I don't make eye contact with other teachers and with other students that I want to talk to. I'm going to look down. Well, I'm busy. Oh, I'm saying hi to this guy so I don't have to Look at this person. And you know what they do? And they say, hey, how's it going? You know what I say almost all the time? Man, I'm so busy. I'm exhausted. I'm worried. out. You know what? I'm conformed to the world if I'm making that statement. Because that's what they're saying. Am I really spreading joy if I'm telling them how difficult my life is? I'm not. Because I'm being conformed to the world. 2023, this is what it holds for me. I'm going to look people in the eyes and walk down the hall. I'm going to smile. I'm going to ask them how they're doing first. And when they ask me, I'm going to say things like, I'm great. Thank you for asking. Things are great. We're going to have a great day. You know what else I'm going to do in 2023? I'm going to start with my prayers in the morning. I usually pray things like, help me not to get overwhelmed and, and frustrated at so-and-so. Help so-and-so to not out, act out in class. Please help so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so to remember their instruments, because it's driving me crazy, six period. I'm going to say, God, help me to be joyful No matter what happens no matter who i come in contact with no matter who calls me to the principal's office no matter what happens in my life please help me to have a smile on my face please help me to show joy no matter what happens third thing that i'm going to do in 2023 and i invite you to do this with me david says in the 122nd psalm i was glad to me when they said let us go to the house of the lord I'm going to be excited about coming back on a Sunday afternoon and a Wednesday. I'm going to spend more time on Monday and Tuesday being excited for that Wednesday night service. I get to go to church. I get to see so-and-so and and -and so-and-so and sing a song that I may have sung 50 times, but I get to do it and I'm going to have a smile on my face. I'm going to try to get rid of sitting in the car and talking about how frustrating my life is, how busy I am. And there are other things I could be doing this afternoon or this evening. But instead of projecting those things to little bitty ears that are in the back seat, things like, hey, who's on the preaching schedule again for tonight? Ugh, oh, we've got to listen to David Edwards again. Instead of saying things like that, I am excited. I am looking forward. I am spreading joy. 2023 is going to be different for me. And I challenge you, it be different for you i have one last verse and i wonder if three minutes includes me having to clean all this up (laughs) maybe just kick it behind here and dad can deal he's dealt with my messes his whole life what's this (laughs) john chapter 17 jesus says but now i'm coming to you and these things i speak in the world That they may may have joy fulfilled in themselves. And then in verse 17, in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these, the disciples, the apostles that are with him right there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, you, you think I'm kidding. I really am just going to kick it over to the side and not take the time because I want to just be able to walk off and not be, you know, Jesus prays for these people around him and he says, Let them have my joy fulfilled in them. Of all the things he could pray for, of all the things that they need to overcome, he says, Let them have my joy because it's not going to be easy what they're about to have to do. Help them to have a smile on their face and be able to go through all of it. Help people to be able to look at them and go, You know what? How are they able to do that? It's because they have the joy of Jesus Christ. And then he says, I don't just pray for them. I pray for everyone afar off. That's us. that will believe through their words. He is praying that his joy would be fulfilled in us. So he takes this prayer and he takes this torch of joy and he hands it to them. And they take the torch of joy and they pass it to the next generation who's brutally tortured but keeps holding that torch high, and they hand it to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next, and the next, and the next, and it is sitting right down on the ground, right in front of us today. And we have to choose. If we want to make a real change in our community, in our workplace, with our neighbors next to us, with the folks in our own house, and within ourselves, if we want to make a real change, we need to pick up the torch of joy. And rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice.